0: What if I told you, you know, Black knowledge is Black power? And this is why we're so excited that all of these folks chose Black studies. And as someone who was formerly homeless and learned that in a homeless shelter, I'm happy to pay it forward in this way. And then people look and they're like, you were homeless? Wow. Black knowledge is Black power? Wow. You know, it's like a a double down of a bunch of different things.
1: Welcome to the Gift of Failure podcast. The show that asks one simple question, what has failure taught you, and what can you do with that failure to learn? Join me as I sit down with global icons, leaders from all walks of life, to explore how they have used their experiences to evolve into greatness. Let's dive in. Thanks for joining us today on the, on the gift of failure. We have an unbelievable human being with us today. Dr. Marcus Hunter, um, actually aside from being an author of, you know, three different books, being an incredible human being actually was homeless at one point, which I'm very excited to learn, you know, how all that that's transpired, although he's not part of the black lives matter, you know, organization per se in 2012, he invented the term. He coined the term himself. That created the, you know, one of the most important movements, arguably, in the last fifty years. So, um, Marcus, peace. How are you, me? my I'm, guy?
0: I'm doing good. I feel, uh, as we say in our culture, blessed and highly favored. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm just honored to be here. I love that, and I, uh, I can definitely, definitely mimic that. You know, what we like to talk about here, um, is really the definition of failure to you, which we've come to really believe in talking to some of the most incredible minds like yourself, like you're in great company with, you know, with a lot of the other guests, um, of what that word means, what does success mean? And, you know, and is there a relationship between them? And if there is, what does that mean? If there was a failure before, did you learn something from it? Is there meaning? And so, I wanted to just lay that foundation for you of mm-hmm. the topics and just hear whatever's in your heart around, uh, around those issues, you know, for, you know, and bless, uh, bless our listeners ears with, uh, with some of this knowledge.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think that's an important concept. And for me, especially during the pandemic, I did a lot of uh, spirit homework and one of my big pieces of spirit homework was the power of words, and then boiled down into the power of letters. And as you know, the English language is perhaps the most powerful language known to man. And it it is composed of 26 letters. Uh, And an interesting way is 26, 2 plus 6 is 8. Eight is death, sex, and transformation. If you just think about, you know, all our discussions about gender pronouns, about death wow. and dying during cool. the season, about life and transforming our situation. And, and eight so is what, the
1: infinity sign and also, it, and a symbol of wealth in Chinese culture. It's all, yeah, I'm with you.
0: Right. And so you see how the alphabet is powerful just in the amount of numbers that make it or letters that make those numbers into 26. And so I started to really think a lot about each letter representing a source power. So, for example, I began with uh, Ra, the sun god, the first Horse. one that we know. R, you know, gets his
1: power from the sun. Ra predated Jesus Christ in some there of the...
0: We go. There we go, right? And we will presume that, you know, Jesus worshiped the son as well. You know, so it all... The son of God.
1: Around. He was the son of God. Yes. So you see where I've been going in my... my time. Love it. My, <laughs> my a man after my own heart (laughs) i was an english major by the way just i was an english major in undergrad and i was an attorney by a recovering attorney so i'm 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 a lover of knowledge so you know
0: i love that so in my core
1: business as a real estate person don't take that for me not like loving everything that you're saying and being just so interested in the stuff that you know that you're talking about so yeah i love it
0: Yeah, and just a little bit about me. Before I became a college professor, I was a high school English teacher. So we just come all the way back around, you know? Like, (laughs) And so all that to say that I spent a lot of time thinking about not only words that we use, but what each individual letter, where it draws its power from, the source power. And so that then means that every word we use just has a word. So I'll just use the word fail, which I really love what you're doing with just that word what if as opposed to just the word fail as we see it it instead stands for forward attitude inspired by lessons
1: right because whenever you have that say that again no no say say that one more time that was a bar like let's say that one more time slowly that was a bar
0: yeah forward attitude inspired by lessons love it right beautiful And so I really meditated on this in preparation of sitting before you thinking about that, not only my own actual failures, but also what do they mean, especially for the average person. Usually what happens is you didn't win, or as we say, you took the L and you have to figure out how to move forward with an attitude that's inspired by what you learn, right? So that's really what fail means. And I think a lot of times when we don't decode words, we just sort of see them at their superficial level, which is a failure. Nobody wants that. That's not a good feeling. And it involves suffering and not achieving whatever it was that you set out to do versus what i think you're getting at which is how these failures emphasize and influence our wins you know that if you hadn't had it you wouldn't actually be who you are now it builds the character it builds the human experience that we're all here to have and so i think it's really important what you're doing is reclaiming the word fail and reframing it for people in a way that I think is actually more spiritually aligned with how we experience them and what the power that we can unlock from a failure uh, can do for our lives.
1: Well, I, I have to tell you, God bless you, bro, from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I it means so much to me that you know, just on a personal level, that that you that you, that you not only see that, recognize it, and even draw on it, and built on it, and articulate it, you know you know, better in a lot of ways, because I'm 100% in agreement with you because of the baggage of of that word. And I I don't think, and to even go further on your thesis is words, they asked Nikola Tesla, you know, if you wanted to understand the universe, think in terms of energy, wavelength, and frequency. So words and sounds are also frequencies and energies as well that affect us on a much more esoteric level, even to like further, furthering your point. So when we use this word failure and we're exuding in a, a, a lesser emotion or a base emotion as opposed to like an elevated emotion like Joe Dispenza talks about. You know, you're actually creating a negative sentiment where in reality, as you're alluding to, is we fail to learn. Like. You know, we say you know we we've joked in in house one of one of my best childhood friends you know and I were playing with failure the other day and like saying failing forward and these different things and we came up with this term fail on almost mm-hmm. like I'm bidding you farewell to like you know a dear friend be like fail on fail on my right. friend <laughs> like you're like to like, say something right. where right. Like, that's a like almost like a bon voyage yeah. of what this journey of life is is yes. you know going through those failures because. You know, I think you agree. I um, or I'm, what I'm hearing is, this is the human condition. Exactly. Like this is not, you know, th- this knows no race, this knows no boundary, right. this knows no gender. This this right. is how we do something and how we learn, take the lesson, and then move on to what that is. So even taking that L, and personally, I like to give out the Ls than take them, (laughs) just to be clear. clear. No, but I wrote a whole book, as you know, on all the failures in my life. right. I've had more than most. Um, But my question to you is, you know, that's a the philosophy is absolutely beautiful and a perfect way to lay the stage. You know, how is that translated to your personal experience? Like can you tell mm-hmm. me something about you as the a man of mm-hmm. you know, what was a failure then that now you see as the blessing, or how did that lead you on the different course? Like mm-hmm. Like, personally.
0: Yeah, I'll start with, you know, my lesson during the pandemic, which I'm sure you can relate to. Everyone at this point can really relate to the power of isolation, you know. And part of what happened in that is that my father, he turned 60, and two weeks later, he died of a heart attack on Labor Day of 2020. And he died away from home in Savannah, Georgia. And what's important, and this is where the fail part comes in, is that he and I, I grew up with him raising me almost my whole life. So I am one of the fortunate people who I know who my father is. And yeah. he was very black. And he raised me in ways that really uh, have a lot of influence are. on exactly who I am. And then he died. And when he died, we had been estranged for three years. So I immediately thought about how I had failed to reconcile that relationship oh. before he died. Which I think a lot of people experience usually oh, yeah, is given how complicated parental-child relationships can be. But then add in that during a pandemic, a lot of people weren't even able to see their relatives like physically. Or their they loved they exactly. See so it's this kind of like you know double death that you experience, where you were failed at the at, in, in life, and then before it was over, you look up and I, I now have my dad's ashes in my home, which then is also a part of my meditative space, which I learned is that oftentimes when we think about the loss of a parent, it's one of the most devastating experiences you could have as true. a human being. But the other thing that really came to me in thinking and processing his loss is that just because your parent has ascended to the beyond doesn't mean that they're removed of their contract and duty to you. They brought you here, right?
1: right? And, and so they, much- they're alive in your DNA too. I mean, true, exactly. on an epigenetic level, they really could never. There you go, right. And to take it a step
0: further, they're not removed of their duty, they're in your blood, and now they're removed of all of the complications of being a human. So my legs hurt, my head hurts, I had a bad Ah, attitude, I don't like going to certain They're liberated is what you're saying. They're liberated
1: from the human flaw and can only have the purest sense of truth left. Yes. And it's all for
0: you. So now for people who who wonder about, like, I never got to reconcile with my parent, they're removed of those flesh complications and all you get is the best of them. So if you need something to happen, you want something to manifest, you call them up, they're still obliged. They still have a duty to you. So that's one of the failures transmuted for me, you know, is like... I lost my father at a very young age. And also there I have siblings and me and my brother are 13 years apart. So my brother is only 25 years old when this happens. That that's a lot of deepness to leave on someone. But at the same time I realize like now I have a spirit warrior on the other side who has a duty to me that cannot be complicated by their own human experience. So that's an example of like that personal loss and grief and a failure really creating to me an alchemy about how I think about my life, how I think about my family, and also how I think about my future with a very forward-leaning attitude.
1: Well, that's absolutely stunning. And I appreciate the, you know, there's a lot of, you know, power and vulnerability. And I, I appreciate that. But so those are people that are just listening to this on audio and, you know, we, we, we might be releasing some of the video down the road, but mostly will be audio, obviously. In watching your body language and watching your face... I wanna you know, make a simple observation that mm. is very profound to me mm. is a lot of times people could say what you just said mm. and use the words, but the amount of grace and mm. love that you expressed mm. in your face, like mm. the, truly the level of authenticity was second to none. Like meaning mm. this man, not only just told you philosophically the truth, but also is living it. And I watched mm. it in your face. It was very mm. moving, by the way. Like I mm. can see that's a, uh, cause sometimes, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone is, you know, you know, something intellectually, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't, you, you know, your own shit gets in the way and you can't right. walk, walk. And clearly, um, you know, you truly have a level of peace around that. And that's, um, that's a fucking win by itself right right congruent it just felt it feels very congruent selfishly i kind of want to know because homelessness is a big deal to me uh because look we're one of the largest home builders and apartment owners and whatever so to not have a heart towards homelessness Mm -hmm. or house you know all the reasons around it almost seems like I got the privilege to do what I do in my life to build Mm -hmm. just like other wealthy people, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to forget it. Like, so meaning it's something very important to me. I'd love to hear, you know, how does a man like you, first of all, become homeless. Second Mm -hmm. of all, you know, how did you get out of it?
0: Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you shining a light on this experience because it is also something that it took me a long time to actually talk about. Uh, and I've had, you know, a lot of different traumas, but for whatever reason, the homelessness experience really stayed with me to a point where people who knew me I mean, didn't even it, know it happened. I mean, you know? come
1: on! I mean, that's, you know? that's uh, the extremity is right. Can you blame them for? You know That's right. a tough right. thing, and I don't, you know, for you not be able to talk about it too. That's heavy.
0: Yeah. And it, it took a while. And I think the, so the, the background is, uh, at one point, my parents, they split up. My mom is originally from North Jersey. My dad is from South Philly. And so he and I and my brother Maurice at the time, uh, we're about three years apart. We were living with my dad. He had, uh, gotten into a relationship with an older woman who owned her own uh, hair salon, uh, up mm-hmm. in the Northern part of Philly and, uh, their relationship went South. And one day she just told us, you know, he had to go and me and my brother, we had to be about, uh, I, if I was seven, Maurice was four. Um, and we had a couple of bags. We had been living there for about a year so, but we just had a bag each. I mean, it's home. Right. And we go out into the street my dad has nowhere to go really, no family to really stay with. And there were some relatives that said to him, you know, well, we'll take the kids, but you have to figure this out. And he was like, I'm not separating with my kids. You know, I don't want to add that okay. trauma to this experience. And so he called a basketball coach a he had, this is on the payphone back in the day, you know, so he calls on the payphone, collect a coach he had in high school on basketball and the coach the coach's wife answers, and she says, "Well, I know of a place that's more long term, but you're going to have to wait while we call and see if we can get you in. In the meantime, we had to go downtown to this area of uh, Center City called Cherry Street, where it was a huge warehouse that just had cots, and we stayed in there for the first day. And I remember, I like I said, I was seven, eight
1: years old. And you remember this vividly, I assume. oh yeah, like. Yes. Visceral experience,
0: yes, yeah, and something that I, you know, outside of watching like reruns of MASH as a kid or something, where you see those cots, you know, in the army, yeah, with the metal and the little springs, yeah, I, I never had actually experienced seeing that. And it, the other thing is that there was so few children in this space, it was a lot of adults, so I remember thinking that it was so scary just being on these cots and then the lights just go out, so you just like. Hold on to yourself. I fell asleep facing my dad. The next day, we uh, basically get a ride, hitch a ride on a SEPTA train and uh, SEPTA bus. Actually, we take the bus for about an hour into the city. We go to this place up on top of Hawking, right next door to Martin Luther King High School in Philly, for folks who will be listening who know that location. And we were fortunate enough that we got in, and so we had a bunk bed room. Where I slept on the floor, my brother and dad slept on a bunk bed, and we lived there for a year. To make it even deeper, I had such shame about it. That whoa, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa! You were there for a year. A year. Yeah. With your brother and your dad. Yep. Holy for a whole year, God. and to make it like just to reveal the shame that I had around it. Uh, and also just how difficult it was for me to process that as a kid is the, uh, you know, at homeless shelters, or you may or may not, At homeless shelters they'll have community organizations that come out and do events, you know, at the sure. facility. So they come out and they do a knowledge is power event. Hmm. And it's very, you know, uh, kid friendly and everything. They had us play games and then we all got knowledge is power t-shirts. Now, a bunch of us who were at the homeless shelter, the kids, we all got this T-shirt. So we had to walk to the neighborhood school the next day. And I remember like putting on the shirt because it was a new shirt. It was clean. It was something I had yes, worn. Yes, be I proud of it. it like- right, exactly. I walk out of the facility and every kid from the homeless shelter has this shirt on. Okay, so I'm now no longer wearing it. I go back. I put on something that's regular. I go out to school. I arrive a little bit late. And when I come in, there's a young girl who says, uh, hey, uh, uh, Bobby, it's so good to see you. I thought your family moved. And I'm like, yo, I'm not Bobby, but she doesn't know who I am. And apparently Bobby has a house. So I pretended to be Bobby in this school for that entire marking period until I was no, able to how leave.
1: You, that's how you were able to protect your, uh, that was like a, wow. So that was a, a like a serious, like protective defense right? mechanism to protect your soul.
0: Right. And wow. it, and it, and it also created a thing where Conflict, I,
1: internal conflict.
0: Yeah, where it, it becomes very, you know, because also part of what happens is in order to protect myself also hardened my heart. I became somebody who wasn't me, which meant that I began a process of not loving myself. Tempor- Temporarily. Except right, where, right, thank right, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> right, And to bring it full circle, when I became the inaugural chair of the Department of African American Studies, um, I have a series of proverbs that are unique to me that I share often. Please and, share. Yeah, and there's one that I share at the graduation. It was our first real as a, a the first full chair of that department, real graduation we were having for our masters and undergraduate students. And I said to everyone, by show of hands, how many people know the phrase knowledge is power? You know, everybody raised their hand. They
1: know that it was Sir Francis Bacon who said it first? No, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that. Sir Francis Bacon, my friend. Uh, there's wow. not much i could probably teach you but but hey. being, being an old english maker that's sir francis break that's sir yes. francis, francis I, bacon
0: and you know everyone knows this and mind you this is a you know 95 plus black family audience so they all raise their hands and i said to them well what if i told you you know black knowledge is black power and this is why we're so excited that all of these folks chose Black Studies. And as someone who was formerly homeless and learned that in a homeless shelter, I'm happy to pay it forward in this way. And then people look and they're like, "You were homeless? Wow! Black knowledge is Black power? Wow! You know, it's like a, a double down of a bunch of different
1: things." Makes you know? me so happy to hear. This is just, uh, anyways. Keep keep going. This is beautiful. This is this is beautiful.
0: Yeah, and so these are the kinds of experiences that I I've had that I realize that as I process them, you become a bit more open hearted. And the heart space is the most important space to be expansive from because it then, you know, reminds you that you're a spiritual being having a human experience. Absolutely. You
1: know, the human experience happens
0: in the heart space, you know, and so having those things.
1: Robin Sharma, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Uh, Robin Sharma, um, who is just a brilliant human being, he has a book called The 5 AM Club. And I mean he's written a bunch of stuff, like The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and a bunch of other mm-hmm. things. Robin is just is is just um is absolutely beautiful and he he very much Uh, Ascribes to like these four elements where people say, like, a mindset, like, I have the right Mm. mindset. He calls what you're saying a heart set. set. Mm -hmm. Like, having your heart set, your mindset, Mm -hmm. like, meaning, so separate those things together of like literally calibrating, you know, what is the lens that your heart is going to be? Because we all know mindset. We know how to intellectualize, you know, that, you know, that focus we want. But what you're, what you were able to capture on as I'm hearing is as you're speaking, you know, to, you know, to your audience sharing with them combining what a mindset would be like intellectually around quote-unquote knowledge but also the heart around right. it how that actually creates true power because we both right. know that the power is in the heart the power is down exactly. to the mind.
0: that part exactly right like i often say you know that our mind is really just like a multi-trillion dollar projector you know and because yeah. It does so much work for us we actually i believe our first level of mind control is our actual minds totally. where we just let it run the show as opposed to like you, are you telling it what to do yes it, from you the heart space, the input. yes exactly it's like from my heart this is what i want to see my heart this is what i want to be from my heart this is the vision i have and Correct. then what happened is your mind will produce negative thoughts because it doesn't want to do something high level like well, that your it brain, likes what it's
1: doing. so your brain if you look at the brain in general so if you look at the uh, amygdala of the brain it is was designed we basically have an ancient brain think of it that mm-hmm. way like meaning our brain was designed to keep us away from harm right mm-hmm. and so the the trend towards the negative tendency that the mind goes that is very much the human condition is actually mm-hmm. physiological, not just psychological, because mm-hmm. we were trained. Because basically, we have the brain, a two two million year old brain, living in a modern you know in a mm-hmm. modern culture. But one thing that's incredible about what you're saying is that science has proven what you've saying with heart rate variability. So what right. happens is when you get into a heart centered, whether through heart centered breathing, whether through transcendental meditation, mm-hmm. whether through just positive of elevated emotions quite literally the frequency of your heart rate beats mimics the frequency Mm. of your brain so your heart and mind become in sync
0: Mm.
1: with an actual like scientific level so when you do what Mm. you're saying physiologically you're ready to go you know tackle the obstacles with the right heart set Mm. and mindset
0: synergize that's alignment yeah wow
1: Yes, I love that. It's you all know stuff I, you know intuitively. I'm just yeah. you know I'm saying what you're saying but just in different ways that but I've the learned it, of it I love that. Yeah, <laughs> you know you, you know how you know how I do it.
0: Yes, I love that. Yes. I yes, love the that's...
1: marriage. I believe in the marriage and the harmony of, you know, science and spirituality. Like, I don't believe they're mutually exclusive, if that makes sense. Like, the highest level of spirituality should be in sync with science. Like, science should be, like, meaning they're not, I don't look at them as separate things. So when I see science verifying something that you're explaining on a deep esoteric level, Mm -hmm. like that's what, you know, I kind of call a God nod. It's like the, Mm. all right, (laughs) all right, all right. This was there, I got the formula.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I like what you did too, because, you know, for a lot of people, they need that scientific verification of the intuitive disposition, you know, in order for it to become like real. And it and for example, something that uh, I do frequently is every day I do at least a twenty minute period of what I call my devotional space, which effectively is a playlist that I've created of songs by people that I really love
1: and I just go straight was, forward you, know? are you, gonna, you gonna share it with your boy? Like you got to oh, share it with you, you know, I'm just please, recently Spotify so if you have it on whatever you know modality, I'd love to get in that get in that oh, frequency sure. with you, man. Yeah. Like that'd be my honor.
0: Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up with my devotion playlist. Uh, if, if it's I, not, if, been... if I'm not
1: infringing on the, if it's, no, you know, private, actually, like, I'd no. love to hear, you know, because obviously I see it in your face and in your yeah. words. It's so powerful that clearly, you know, we mimic, we mimic the people, you know, like you want to find the, the role yes. models in different yes. places that you can look at and people have so much they can learn from you. And the time when this comes, if you're comfortable, I'd love to share that with some of the listeners. Of course, of like, I, it would to be get a pleasure. Them. And, yes. you know, in sync them with what you're saying. Yes.
0: Yeah, it would be a pleasure and an honor because, I, I mean, another play with words, the only difference between a sorcerer and a resource is you, you know? So oh, I like being a resource, a bar. you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Look, I, I really, like, I... I can literally talk to you forever and I would love to find a time for you to come to Austin or to see sure, each other in person and continue this dialogue. Yeah. You know what, There's one question that I ask everybody at the end mm-hmm. of the show and you know, the, the, the hope here was to create, you know, and you've done it beautifully is like a quick, you know, but not too long, just, you know, really direct some jewels that they can listen to and, you know, hopefully have a positive impact on their lives and things. Yeah. And what i like to end the conversation with is one question. Yeah. If there is one thing that you wish everybody in the world knew, what would it be?
0: Love. It's love. You know, love is the message. Love is the greatest power. You know, love is it. You know, and I think if we just lived in a, a vibrating word on love, I mean, what a world we would live in, you know?
1: Yeah! Wow! I uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, truly. And we are going to connect offline, and uh, I look forward to uh, to spending a lot of time together. And we'll go break some gluten free bread together, and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have some good, some good times. <laughs> well, God bless it. you, my friend. Talk to you thank soon. Thank you. All right, take it easy. Good. Thank you for listening. To access the full scope of lessons, pre-order your own personal copy of the book, The Gift of Failure, currently available on Amazon and other platforms to come. Until next time, fail on, my friends.